your legs there, and uh, um, we'll read verse number, starting in verse number one, and um, Lord willing, unless I get through it this morning, I, I doubt I will. Pastor Pyle told me that he preaches till he gets done. If, if, I, if I preach this whole message this morning, we, I don't think there'll be anybody at the restaurant when we get out of church today, so... <laughs> We'll split it up between this morning and tonight, and I uh, pray that it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 1, the Bible says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore when he cometh into the world he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not. Neither hast pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I want you to underline that if you're in the habit of doing that. Uh, but verse number 10 there, that last statement, the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 11, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. You can be seated this morning. We'll stop there for the sake of time. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege. This church, and Lord, thank you for this church, and thank you for their pastor and his family, and Lord, the blessing that they have been to me and my family and Solid Rock Baptist Church. And we pray that you'd be with them where they are today, and Lord bless him as he's preaching, and we just ask you that you'd be with Solid Rock and Brother Rue as he's preaching there. pray that you bless him in a special way. And we just ask you now, Lord, as we come to the preaching of the Word of God this morning in this place, Lord, that you would touch me afresh and anew with the power of God. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would go forth in demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you give us ears to hear. And Lord, I pray that uh, saints would be encouraged, Lord, as we visit these topics in, these, in this text. And we pray for maybe one that's here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray before this day is over, Lord, that they would be saved. 
And Lord, what's done, we'll thank you and we give you honor, praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. As we look at verse number 10, uh, the last portion, we'll be looking at this whole chapter, Lord willing, today. Uh, but verse number 10, it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then in verse number 12, he made this statement, But this had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. Today, I'm going to be preaching on this thought on the finished work of Christ. The finished work of Christ. What does the finished work of Christ do in us? What does it do for us? And then what does it free us to do? We understand that through Jesus Christ, if the Son shall make you free, you're free indeed. Now we understand that that freedom that we have in Jesus Christ is not a, a freedom to go out here and, and use grace as a license to sin and to do whatever we want to do without any repercussion. But the fact is that we have been freed from the power of sin in our life when we got born again, uh, that we can worship Him, that we can serve Him, and then He works in our life and we know ultimately that the Holy Spirit indwells us and He's predestinated us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So He is working uh, in our life. And here in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10, I, I particularly like the book of Hebrews and, and I enjoy my study of it and just seeing the contrast that the writer, some have debated who it was and th th that's of no matter. The Bible doesn't tell us who it was, but whoever it was that was writing is comparing uh, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Testament and the New Covenant. If you were to open up those first couple chapters, he talks about different groups of, uh, of things or, or an individual and talks about how Christ is far better than all those things and that's what he opens up with verse number one of this chapter talking about and as there is a finished work of Christ there was an unfinished work of the law and or the old, uh, old covenant. Notice with me in verse number one where it says for the law having a shadow of good things to come not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually Make the comers thereunto perfect. As we know, the law is a schoolmaster. The law was given to show mankind where they were guilty before God. And if you were to visit the book of Romans, you would find in chapter number 3, where Paul sets up in the courtroom scene of the book of Romans, he makes the statements that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He makes such statements as there's none righteous, no, not one. He would make such statements as there's none that doeth good, no, not one. And under that Old Testament law, uh, it brings guilt. And the law in itself was perfect as far as it being the law of God telling us what not to do and what to do. But it is imperfect in the fact that the keeping of the law could never make a perfect by keeping the law it was it, it, it could not happen but it is a mirror and it is a schoolmaster it's showing us who we are now on a side note there's a lot of people today in Christianity and 
need to preach the law. There's no need to talk about the law. We just don't need that negativity. But my friend, someone will never see their need of Jesus Christ until they understand that they are a sinner and that they have sinned and transgressed the laws of God and stand in need of Jesus Christ. Because the fact is, we are sinners. We've sinned and come short of the glory of God. The book of Isaiah tells us that our righteousness is is as filthy rags in the sight of God and when we see ourselves like that man it magnifies the cross it magnifies the sacrifice of Christ it magnifies the price that had to be paid not just in him dying but shedding of blood because without the shedding of blood there is no remission there's no forgiveness of sin apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ So there is an unfinished work of this Old Testament or Old Covenant. Now notice it says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image. Now, we're blessed and I thank God today we have a completed Bible. We have the perfect, inspired, preserved Word of God. And when we open up this book, I can look back into Old Testament and through types I see Jesus Christ. Through those I see a shadow of good things to come. I see the shadow of of the one that could make us perfect through his salvation and through his sacrifice but it was just a shadow of good things to come. If we were to take a trip into the tabernacle and later on the temple and and if you've never done a study of the tabernacle it gets kind of deep but man there's so much richness in studying the tabernacle and the sacrifices and the priestly roles and the high priest and I would just say that the book of Hebrews shows us that Christ fulfilled all those Old Testament types. It was in one person what took uh, thousands of years and what took thousands of sacrifices and different things. Christ in one person fulfilled all of that of the Old Testament. There was an unfinished work of this law. There's a shadow. And then he talked about the sacrifices and said... And not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. If we were living under that economy of the Old Testament, there would come a time where we would have to bring a sacrifice. That father would take that sacrifice to the tabernacle and later the temple and that animal would take the place. Of the one that was guilty. But even at best those sacrifices that they offered year by year. Just like on our our calendar man birthdays, our anniversary, Thanksgiving, Christmas. We think about things that dot our calendar that are big days you know in our lives. If we're living under that economy there would be that day where we'd have to take that sacrifice. And in that sacrifice, there was forgiveness, but it was just a putting off. A putting off. And year by year, there was a putting off of these these sins, but it never was able to make the comers perfect. Then he would address not just the shadow and the sacrifice of this unfinished work of the old covenant, but he would talk about the sins in verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. 
But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Every year comes that date. Every year there's a sense of rejoicing in that God has made a way of uh, of a sacrifice and in that economy God set the qualifications and all that but yet every year you be revisited with those sins every year there would be a remembrance again made of sins there was never no clearing of guilt only just a, a putting off of sin for a, an, another year and you're, you're living in that guilt you're living in that shame and each year you have to revisit that and you know as far as for us you know I, one of my favorite holidays of the year is Thanksgiving I look forward to Thanksgiving I enjoy Thanksgiving and, and, and everything that, that it encompasses and we have a good time at church around Thanksgiving praising God giving thanks and all that and then on top of again to you know, partake of, of great food around Thanksgiving. I enjoy that. But if that day was compassed with something as far as a matter of sins, I don't think I would much have an appreciation for Thanksgiving after that point. Here they are revisiting that topic every single year. So there's an, in those opening verses, there's Paul making, or, or the writer of Hebrews making a a look at that Old Testament, that Old Covenant, and things that were never finished. Just having a shadow. The sacrifices being a shadow of good things to come down the road, and the sins that were remembered every year. But then he would go back to verse number 4, and he would make this statement, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It's not possible. I, I don't know how many bulls and goats and sheep and different ones that were sacrificed over the course of that period of time. There was a lot. But he said it never would, never was possible to bring about that taking away of sin. And in that light... Man, that, that, that's sad. When you think about it in light of, uh, of Scripture all the way around and you think about that person, you being that person that has to bring those every year, every year, every year, and that remembrance of sin. How sad that is, but I'm glad for the child of God on this side in the new covenant with the death of the testator being Jesus Christ. There's the finished work of Christ. Look with me at verse number 5, if you will. It says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice. And offering and burnt offering and offering for sin. Thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. If you're in a habit of taking notes this morning, our first point is the finished work of Christ. What did it do? It fulfilled Scripture. 
Now, if you know your Bible and have studied it any length of time, we would know that verse number 7 is a reflection on Psalms chapter number 40. <clears throat> and it was Old Testament prophecy of what Christ would do. And we understand from these verses of Scripture this morning that the finished work of Christ it says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but the body hast thou prepared me. They had generation after generation after generation of sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. The father leading that animal to the, to the altar or going all the way back to you know Cain and Abel and the sacrifices there or even all the way back to Adam and Eve where God took coats of skins and gave them to Adam and Eve. He's had this. He's not desiring more sacrifices. So instead of just Preparing just another bull or another goat or another sheep. What did he prepare? It says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin. Thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first thing he established. The second. There was a body that was prepared. We understand from the book of John chapter number 1. If we were to open up John chapter number 1. And just last Sunday we analyzed John chapter number 1. And if we were to do uh, you know, some apologetics in defense of the deity of Christ. And that Christ was God in the flesh. We would go to John chapter number 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. <clears throat> the Word was God. And then you would go on down into John chapter number 1 and a few verses later we would read that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We would be able to tie this in as far as in the matters of salvation and this body that was prepared in Psalms chapter number 40 told body prepared and that the volume of the book is written of him and if we were to go analyze John chapter number 3 and verse number 16 it says for God so loved the world if we stopped right there just God saying that he loved us from the entirety of the book would have done us no good that's why the rest of John three sixteen. I rejoice in the love of God I love studying chapters in, in, in 1 John and looking at the love of God and all this that, that, that God did love us. But love in our day and time has been weakened to just a word that we say. Even sometimes it's sad that someone wrongs someone else. Instead of saying, I'm sorry I did wrong, they say, I love you. I love you is not the same as I'm sorry I messed up. In our day and time, love has been reduced to, you know, some, what they say, well, I love her, I love him, where it's nothing more than just a, a sinful lust. But God so loved the world that he gave, that gives us our definition of what love is, is that God, yes, he loved us. And I, I believe from the foundation of the world, God loved us. And not just the elect either, but he loved everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So it was necessary 
Yes, God loved us, but it was necessary for the giving of His Son. And for His Son being that Word, He had to become flesh and dwell among us. So there was a body that was prepared for Him. Not only was there a body that was prepared for Him, but then He goes on to say, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is... Written of me to do thy will, O God. In this fulfillment of Scripture, Christ was fulfilling Scripture by doing the will of God. Not only was it fulfilling Scripture of doing the will of God, but the fact that the volume of the book is written of Him. As I said a moment ago, if we were to, to be on this side, we'd go take a trip through the Old Testament. Man, we see Jesus in the sacrifices. In the high priestly role, even in the way that the tabernacle was built, everything revolved around the person of Jesus Christ. The volume of the book was written about Jesus Christ and His fulfillment of Scripture. <clears throat> it is very much important if we were to talk to someone that denies well, the Bible, we would look at prophecies that's been fulfilled, you know, that's part of it, and looking at the prophecies that's been fulfilled. And it's interesting just to study the fulfillment of Scripture in the person of Jesus Christ, down to where He was born, particulars about His death. The, the, just a few weeks ago, you know, we, we would talk about the triumphal entry of the Lord into the city and the riding of a, of, of a donkey into the city. And the Bible prophesied that. Prophecies fulfilled. Scriptures fulfilled. The living word fulfilling the written word. So the finished work of Christ brings to our attention this morning... The fulfillment of Scripture. And again, he said, Sacrifice and offering, verse 8, and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither hath pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Take away the first that he may establish the second. We have such a, a movement today in our world and in society, and I would say even in quote-unquote Christianity, and I use that lightly, but that tries to paint a picture of Jesus Christ belittling or even undermining the law. That, that would put him as the word of John chapter number 1 in total disagreeance with the written word. There's so many times that things are attributed to Christ. Well, well Christ did this and Christ did that, that. That would make him disobedient of the word. And I would just say if any point of people's belief or their theology or what they believe about Jesus Christ puts him as one that's disobedient to the Word of God. He is not the perfect sacrifice for humanity to provide salvation. But the Bible tells us, Peter tells us, that it's with the precious blood of Christ. A blood that's not like any other. A blood that's not tainted with sin. A blood that can't have a price tag 
placed upon it because there's none other like it. Fact is, Christ was the sinless Son of God. When we think about it, Paul said this. He said, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we could be made the righteousness of God in Him. We have the opportunity to be made righteous in the sight of God through Jesus Christ, who was sinless, who was guiltless, and took the place of the sinner and the one that was guilty. And we come through Christ. See, all that is very important. We're, we're living in a day where they're trying to disconnect this person of Christ. And, you know, somebody, somebody would say, well, 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 Jesus, you know, was brought that woman that was called in adultery. And by the time everything's over, all of her accusers have walked away. And they want to stop there because of the message that Jesus preached to them. I would have us reminded that the message that Jesus preached to them was necessary. But then he turned around and he dealt with that woman as well. The woman at the wells come and she's had, what, five husbands and Jesus is dealing with that and Jesus didn't sweep that sin under the rug, but he addressed it, recognized that it is wrong. We'd say that woman left that meeting with Christ there at the well, a changed person. When she went back in the city encouraging people to come and meet a man that told her all she ever did. Christ did not sweep sin under the rug. Christ did not disobey the law. But the fact is, He fulfilled it every jot and tittle of that Old Testament law. Christ fulfilled it. Showing us His rightful place as our Savior. Number two, the finished work of Christ not only fulfilled Scripture, but in verse number 10 it says, By the which... Will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Say, preacher, what does the finished work of Christ, what did it do? It fulfilled scripture. The finished work of Christ brought forgiveness of sins. As we've already analyzed and verses 1, 2, and 3, we would recognize in those verses of scripture that all those sacrifices would never bring a full pardoning of sin, but it brings about a, a, a guiltiness every year that has to be reminded of. Aren't you thankful? If you're here and you're saved today, the day you got saved, and the forgiveness of sins that was given to you, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Aren't you thankful that there's not a certain day of the year, or better yet, even every day, that when you wake up, Christ is standing beside your bed waiting to remind you of the sins that you've committed against Him? fact is, he's forgiven them. He's forgiven them. Now, you say, one thing that's always blown my mind is how is a God that knows everything forgive us of our sins? We think, well, he's forgotten them. It's not necessarily that he's forgotten them, but he chooses 
not to remember them against us anymore. Why? Because of our relationship with His Son. It brings to light what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The fact is our relationship with Jesus Christ and our acceptance of Him and our belief in Him in that He died and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day and that acceptance of the gospel brings forgiveness of sins. We're accepted by the Father. It is an amazing work, this work of salvation. When we think about the fact that we who were transgressors of God, we who had sinned against God, even our best efforts in the sight of God, God is so holy, God is so righteous, God is so just that even our best attempts is still nothing but filthy rags to God. But simply through coming through Jesus Christ, coming through the door, coming through Jesus Christ, we now know what true forgiveness of sin is. Because of the finished Work of Jesus Christ. That was the whole purpose of Christ coming in the first place. I'm thankful studying the Gospels and reading the messages Jesus preached. I'm thankful for the example that Jesus set. I, I love studying the miracles and just, man, just sitting and, 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 you know, meditating on how he took, you know, five loaves and two fishes and fed you know, 5,000 men besides women and children. I mean, that, that blows my mind. But that is not the overall purpose of Christ coming. The whole purpose of Christ coming, the will of the Father to send Jesus Christ was to die at Calvary and to shed His blood to bring forgiveness of sins to the whole world. It says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Upon his death, the one passed away and he brought the other one into effect. The old covenant went away, the new covenant come into effect through Jesus Christ. That, that all the Old Testament talks about, all those sacrifices, all those priestly roles that was played from generation to generation, what it could never achieve, Christ achieved. When He cried, it is finished. It is finished. His work was accomplished. The will of God was done. The suffering for the sins of humanity, the shed blood, was all to bring forgiveness of sins. He goes back and relates to verse number 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. 
this forgiveness of sin, those priests stood daily ministering, offering the same sacrifices, never could take away the sin of the one bringing the sacrifice. But this man, he offered one sacrifice for sins. And the Bible says, forever sat down on the right hand of God. When you look at that Old Testament... In the tabernacle, there was never a place for the priest to sit down. Why? Because their work was never done. That consumed that sacrifice. There was always something that had to be done in that tabernacle. The Bible says that Jesus, after he had made that sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand. When he cried, it is finished. There was no more need for the high priest. After he said, it is finished, there was no more need for the sacrifice of goats and bulls and lambs. In fact, we would understand from studying the scripture and what happened there at Calvary, the veil was torn. Now the, the place where only the high priest could go, now we have access to that very throne room where God is because we come through Jesus Christ. He sat down on the right hand of the Father. Now, as far as that goes, our salvation is a finished work. And then when he sat down, the Bible says that he's now making intercession for you and I. Right now, we're at the right hand of the Father. He sat down. He sat down. You know, the, 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 the thing is, when it comes to things that, that God does, He does them perfectly, and He does them... When you look at the book of Genesis, and He created everything in the book of Genesis. When He was done, he, each time He said, it is good, and then when He was done, He rested. And after Christ performed His Father's will at Calvary, and He said, it is finished, and... We know he is buried and rose again the third day. And after some days, he ascends back to the Father. And he sits down at the right hand of the Father. Why could he sit down? Because he had provided a perfect salvation. How could he sit down? Because he had fulfilled the will of the Father. How could he sit down? Because his blood was enough by the Father and was accepted of the Father for the sacrifice of all of humanity's sins. Being placed there at Calvary upon Christ, he shed his blood. A perfect salvation. I've had this discussion with some people over the last few weeks, and they've been talking about different religious groups. They say, well, you, you have to do this. And you have to exercise and even some of well, you, you've got to be a part of, of, of this organization or you, you've got to do all these different types of things in hopes of receiving accepted of God 
And when you look at some of these, some of them have things that are similar and then there's different things. And that's what happens when you get away from Jesus Christ. I am saved today. I have the blessing, not the, not the hope, but the no-so assurance of eternal life. When I leave this life, I know where I'm going. Not because I'm a Baptist. Not because I've been baptized. Not because I've partaken in communion. Not because I've signed a card. But because of my belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. I have that assurance of eternal life. And on top of that... Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. That is a perfect salvation. And when you get away from that person of Jesus Christ and you attack this, the deity of Christ, he's not the son of God. And then you attack, well, Jesus really didn't die then that opens up all manners of doctrines of devils, one group arguing against the next, what we hope gets us to heaven. You know it's amazing in studying some of those that there is never no clear, definite answer that this will get you there. And in some efforts, some have erased the doctrine of hell all the way around because if we can't promise heaven, well, we can't really preach a doctrine of hell if we can't promise that this will get you to heaven. But my friends, since the apostles and the New Testament church, we have been preaching Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and rose again. And if a man, a woman, a young person, a child will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, emphatically the scripture states, you shall be saved. One of my favorite because, you know, there's so much arguing, even in Christianity and even among Baptists, you know, what it is to, to be saved. You know, it's amazing when Paul and, well, Paul and Silas were there in prison and, and they've been beaten and at midnight they start singing and the earth shakes and they're freed. And, man, that, that soldier comes in, he's going to take his life. And he realizes that, you know, Paul says, we're all here. You know, that he doesn't need to harm himself and all this that goes on in that interaction. And he comes and he, he falls at his feet and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? If he was one group, he'd say, well, you need to go join this religious organization. If he was a church of Christ, he would say, well, you, you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And if, if it was somebody else, then you need to go through this 12-step course, you know, and be confirmed in the faith. But I love the simplicity of Paul's answer. Why? Not because Paul said it, but because it lines up with the whole New Testament gospel. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that's what we go preaching. That's what I'm preaching here today. That's what I preached down there. That's what I preached on my job two Friday nights ago to two people that, that are not saved. And I preached that to them. That's what we go out here witnessing. 
That's what we go out here telling. That's what we go out here proclaiming is that we serve a risen Savior that provided a perfect salvation. And if you'll believe in Him, if you will accept Him and His free pardon of sin, you'll be saved. Romans 10, 13, we all know that real well. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3, 16, for, who said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you all see this morning why there's such an attack on the person of Jesus Christ? It's amazing no matter which group you look at, when they attack the deity of Jesus, when, when, the, when, when they're teaching another means of salvation they have to attack the deity of Christ and they try to disprove that he is the son of God and with that it just leaves open all kind of other ways but we would be reminded Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me when Jesus said that, he said, I'm the way. It excludes every other one that says, I'm the way. The Catholic Church would say, we're the way, and you've got to be a, a part of this universal church in order to be saved. Others would say, well, you've got to try to do good enough things, and you can be saved. You would talk to an Islamic person and they would say, well, you, you, if, you, if you die in holy war, then that, that gives you entrance into heaven. Then all these other things, you've got you, you to say your prayers right and you've got to give this alm and you've got to do this, this, and this in order for you to be accepted. But the Bible believer goes forth preaching, Jesus died according to the Scriptures was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. And if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. So this morning, Hebrews chapter number 10 is showing us the finished work of Christ, fulfilled scriptures. The finished work of Christ brought forgiveness of sins and my friend today if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior here in a moment we're going to give an invitation and give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel you can be saved today there is a perfect salvation and this is how narrow it is if we think back, back to the book of Acts the Bible says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. My friends, today, upon the authority of not West Valley Baptist Church, not upon Matthew Beaver's authority, but according to the authority of God's Word, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. He's provided forgiveness of sin.
Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Thank you so much for listening this morning. I asked someone to come and play maybe a verse of invitation. This invitation will be twofold this morning. One is to the child of God. Aren't you thankful? Not only that we serve a risen Savior, but aren't you thankful that He's provided a perfect salvation? Let me ask you, when was the last time you just took some time just to thank the Lord for forgiveness of sins? And every day you wake up, He's not waiting to beat you over the head with those sins that you've committed. But He's forgiven you of them. He's chosen not to remember them against you. They've all been paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you that are saved today just to reflect on that. May it generate a heart of thanksgiving to the Lord that we have a perfect salvation that brings forgiveness of sins. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I would invite you to come and there's people around this church that can take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Maybe you've come in here today with the heavy burden of sin. Sensing the guilt and shame of sin. All that can be washed away with the blood of Jesus Christ. Maybe you came in here today lost, an enemy of God. You can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ today. Maybe you come in here today worrying, what's the future going to hold? Where, where am I going to go when I leave this life? You can leave with that assurance today. This is not a hope so, a maybe so. Maybe if I do enough good things, I'll be accepted. But the book of 1 John tells us it's a no-so salvation. And my friend, today you can leave with eternal life because that is the life that he has promised do you know for certain today if you were to leave this life are you certain that you would go to heaven if not I would encourage you to talk to someone today and we would be glad to pray with you and show you from the Bible how you can be saved dear heavenly father Lord we thank you for this morning thank you for the privilege Lord to be able to just Magnify you. Magnify your word. Magnify the Son of God and what he has provided for us. Lord, again, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray they come to Christ today. Bless the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.